0: Welcome to Nashville to Memphis, a podcast hosted by Dr. Jason Lee McKinney, a recording artist, songwriter, and a rock star professor. N2M is a podcast where Jason and a guest or two literally talk on the phone while Jason is driving down I-40. The only subject criteria is that this podcast is all about the random crap Jason thinks about. So, all of you podcasters and audiophiles, just chill on the sound quality, you dig? Jason is a front pocket theologian back pocket socio-philosopher, and a jockstrap surveyor of the music industry. You may not be able to make sense of it all, but that's okay. Neither can he. Thanks for listening to Nashville to Memphis. Don't forget to rate and write a review for the podcast on iTunes. You can find it under the title Nashville to Memphis. You can reach the podcast at www.facebook.com slash Nashville to Memphis. And check out Jason's music at www.jasonleemckinneyband.com, as well as iTunes and Spotify under Jason Lee McKinney Band.
1: My guest this week on N2M is Joey Svensson. Joey is one of those bad Christian guys. He also has his own podcast that I personally love called The Pastor With No Answers. Joey is also the James Island Campus pastor at Seacoast Church, the author of the book Fundamentalist, Most importantly, Joey is a husband and father and fellow Boston Celtics fan. Joey and I connect to talk about his journey with depression and the stigma of mental health in the church. You can find Joey at badchristian.com or pastorwithnoanswers.com and buy his book, Fundamentalist, at All the Usual Online Suspects.
2: I just wanted to kind of dive into it, and one of the things I've heard you talk about is just your kind of battle with depression, and obviously that's something that's— I think facing men and uh, facing the church, the the whole thing of my podcast is just called Nashville to Memphis. I travel back and forth between the cities and anything that I think of while I'm driving uh, randomly. So I'll have like musical guests and, you know, people like yourself. So yeah, Yeah. man, I just want to talk a little bit about that. And especially in light of you being a a guy, a dude, and then also being a pastor, I think uh, Christendom and Maleness do not lend themselves to being very vulnerable about depression. Yeah, um, yeah. So I wanted to talk about like a little bit, uh, and I, I apologize. You're like, you're super funny in the podcast, but I'm not sure this is a super funny subject. So I apologize. I can, so, I, can go uh, both
3: ways. I can go both okay. ways. <laughs> okay. So you're,
2: uh, you're, you're bi-comedical. I guess is how they mm-hmm. would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The big hang up with males, do you think it's the John Wayne Americanness or do you do you feel like that's just males worldwide or do you think it's a cultural thing?
3: Oh man. You know, I that's one of my favorite things to think about is the whole nature versus nurture and I guess typically I um I would land on I I think it's impossible to trace but uh, I do, I, I still do believe in fundamental differences between male and female. Now I do believe it's probably a lot less than what we have been accustomed to believing, like genetically, uh, less different, but I do believe that there are some significant differences. And I do, I would say that I think females by and large are, are more feelers. They're willing to put themselves out there a little bit more, more emotionally vulnerable um and uh, more so than men now my my group of friends and and just how i've always been that that has not been the case but if you look at the nurture side of things as well i mean it just wasn't right for uh, you know and i and i say that loosely but culturally it just wasn't right for men to show emotions i mean I, I, so i'm 41 years old i would imagine that most people in their 40s they have a dad whose dad never spoke kind, loving, sentimental words to them. And so I think my dad did the best he could with me. And now, you know, where I'm at here raising kids in 2018, I mean, I'm constantly cuddling with them and saying, I love you and, and you know, speaking kindness and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I think it's impossible to really trace whether it's nature or nurture, but I, I do think that you're on the money that it's typically a tough thing for males. Yeah, I think the interesting for me is I, I didn't have that experience. My dad was a professional
2: rugby player, but he was yeah. super affectionate. Yeah. Um, now, he believed in toughness, but he was I was always, I love you, buddy, always this. But I, I find I'm married to a therapist, so yeah. I have never won an argument ever in my entire marriage, ever. <laughs> um, but... You know, and I'm a musician, I'm a creative, and I know you hang out with a lot of creatives. That's right. sort of how I found my way to your podcast is through creatives. Actually, my son recommended it to me. So I'm about your age, but I got it recommended to me from my kid who's grown. Um, gotcha, gotcha. So you're reaching how, down to How old are your kids? That's
3: interesting. How old are your kid?
2: I had twins right out of high school. They're 23. Um,
3: Dang. So you're like my age with two 23-year-olds? I
2: am, and I have a four-year-old.
3: So (laughs) literally
2: the same distance between me and the twins and them. And, and we actually, uh, my wife and I being a therapist, we had Seth and Melanie on our podcast and and then they're going to have her on with one of my kids because we didn't have any of the like, blended family horror stories that you would think people have. Uh, We had a smooth, now obviously it's not typical because I married my second marriage is to a therapist. So she had, she, she knew what she was doing, but, but we got through all that sands. but anyway, so I didn't have that experience, you know, being around creatives, you would say artists are sensitive and all this sort of stuff, but it wasn't until my second marriage and I had thoroughly ruined my first one because of my issues that, my wife would stop me and I would lash out in anger. And she'd be right. like, what are you mad about? And it was so tough and took me so many years to just be able to say, I'm not really mad. You, you hurt my feelings.
3: Right, and, right. and that
2: felt like such a wuss for me to say yeah. that. But it's like, that's what I was really mad about. I, I was mad about that she didn't walk through the door and hug me. And if right. I would have just stopped and I've been able to identify that emotion and say, hey, I really wish you'd hug me. Yeah. I would have saved us a lot of arguments, and I, I think for me as a man, I didn't even know how to connect to my emotions for a long time.
3: Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, I mean, it, it's. I think it's because we take the, our, our social uh, cues from culture, and it, it, it's just like you said, it's not tough, and that's something that is uh, less revered for males is to be tough, and then the tenderness side. Not so much. And I mean, ironically, we take our social cues, uh, you know, from, from the culture and, in, uh, in, in a really bad way for males as well. I mean, all you have to do is like watch some TV shows, a couple of movies, or even read greeting cards that are made for, for men and you, you pick up super quickly on the, the negative plant that culture sees men as, as losers, all they care about beer and football, um, you know, always thinking with their genitals and that's the only thing that's ever on their mind is sex. I mean, it's like, that's the picture painted. And, uh, I, you know, unfortunately, I think, I think a lot of it is, is true, but the stereo the stereotype is, is pretty over generalized. Um, does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it does. And I kind of I think culture has flipped in that because back before either of our days, there was the women were sort of the butt of jokes and, you know, George Burns and say goodnight, Gracie. And she'd say, say goodnight, Gracie. Because she was so yeah. dumb. She couldn't, yeah. but now it's flipped. And you know Homer Simpson's an idiot and Al Bundy right. and, and, and dads are always dumb. And I don't know, why we, uh, human beings seem to have a lack of, of being able to balance things, uh, right. you know, and in, in, even the sex thing, we either you read about cultures that are sex craves or they're Puritans, and it's like, well, I'm not sure either of those are exactly how it's supposed to be. You know, yeah. you're not supposed to be obsessed with it, but so I'm going to jump to the church a little bit. Um, yeah. How hard was that? One of the things I've admired about you from a distance, and to be clear, we don't know each other at all, I'm just a random musician who listened to your podcast and asked you to be on mine. So <laughs> there's no relationship. But but what I admire about you from the distance is your ability to sort of rip the rib cage open and be brutally honest.
1: Right. That
2: had to be, as a professional Christian, a scary leap to start to make. What was it that kind of drove you to that? Was it the depression? Did you have a breaking point? Or was it a point you're like, I just can't do this anymore? Or was it a process? Kind of what led you to that? You know, because uh, you don't line with all the fundamental evangelical stuff, but you're also brave enough to take stands where you need to and what what was all that package of that wrapped into what you put in your
3: book with the o c d and the depression yeah. what's yeah. what was that journey like yeah i think I think it's I think it's twofold first is. Uh, you know, for your listeners that may not be familiar with the podcast, I'm on Bad Christian, Matt, Toby, and I, the three hosts, I mean, we stepped out early on to be as vulnerable and transparent as we possibly could be, you know, and uh, obviously tempered by our comfort level, even though we were trying to make ourselves as uncomfortable as possible, also tempered by you know we can't we can't talk on air exactly how we talk behind closed doors because you know you're uh, definitely getting into some super offensive territory because we're best buds and we say stupid silly things but we set out to really put ourselves out there because we did not want people looking at us as the standard to to shoot for because I you know. Part of what bad Christian means is we don't think that there really is a a really good human standard, and when you think that you found one, they're going to disappoint you, and 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 you'll see over time that everyone has their own stuff that they're going through, and no one has their stuff together. So that was some good training ground, and just putting ourselves out there, and. You know, sometimes we would, after recording, we'd say, oh man, I kind of wish I didn't say that. Should I edit it? And we would all kind of push each other to just keep it. But then, you know, sometimes uh, we definitely honored each other's comfort level and we would, we would erase something. But for the most part, we just kept it out there. So that, that was the first step. And then I think the second step was, you know, I just, I kind of wanted to write a memoir of my depression and legalism and OCD and all of that. And I mean, honestly, there wasn't any way of doing it other than just telling the truth and telling exactly the thoughts that I thought and the, sort of lies that I believe and how that actually played out in my actions and interactions with people. I mean, just super embarrassing stuff. But there was a line that I crossed. I started thinking about this stuff that I was putting down in a Word document and I was like, do I really intend on this stuff being read by any and everyone? And so it did give me a little pause for thought. And I think what I... Concluded was I'm only going to live this life once. And it's certainly not going to hurt to put myself out there. But in my experience, if anything, it's helped. It's helped people. It's helped people feel less alone. It's uh, maybe put a smile on their face. But, you know, with mental illness, it's such a taboo topic that. If I can put myself out there as a pastor and as, you know, a podcast host that's relatively known in the Christian world, then that opens the doors for other people to be more comfortable. And then I think from a conviction standpoint, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe in presenting myself inaccurately. And the Mm -hmm. accurate presentation of Joey Simpson is someone who struggles with depression who has believed very silly, ridiculous things that plagued me, that brought me to tears, that sent me to, uh, through seasons of, of real darkness and despair. That is me. So why would I try to present myself anything other than that? And if, and if that is a, a turn off or offensive to people, then so be it. <laughs> That's just who I am. And if you don't like me for who I am, then oh, okay. <laughs> I right. Can't, I can't be concerned with that.
2: Is it okay to like someone because they're a Clemson football fan instead of Notre Dame Fighting Irish? That's a yeah. that seems like a yeah. really good reason. So oh, uh, sure. Sure. Well I in that thing I, I've struggled with um a lot of anxiety and um which people wouldn't think and I don't know how much you're into the Enneagram. I'm a I'm a five, like a hardcore okay. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I overcomplicate everything and everything's you know, nothing is simple and me and my son, who is a pastor, the other twin is a pastor. Yeah. And he's a one, so he wants everything to be sure. And I'm like, well, there's also this factor. But right. I've really grown up with this thing of not having the most healthy environment. Um, yeah. You know, dad was kind of in and out. Mom did her best, but she had a horrific childhood. Um, but I sort of grew up with a lot of self-loathing. Yeah. And, you know, this sounds crazy, but it wasn't until I sort of found Seth and Melanie's podcast from you guys that I can sort of, because I heard him say it that I admit there are times I was so self-loathing that I literally had beat myself up. Yeah. And when I heard him say that and him admit it, there's something healing about the fact going, oh, I'm not the only shitty person in the world. Right. I'm, right. I'm not the only jacked up, mess, messed up person. And God can still love me and that person. Right. So I do think you being brave, it, it can't do anything but help people. It can't do anything.
3: I mean, that's, um, that's the That's the human spirit like that. We're all connected in our humanness and we can just, we can, we've thought that we've wrestled with anything that we've struggled with. We are not by ourselves, but until we actually hear that play out, like you mentioned with Seth, it doesn't really sink in like just, just that vague thought of, yes, there's people out there. Ah, doesn't really mean a whole lot, but when you hear someone actually articulate and i and I'll be honest with you you know I, i'm I'm speaking as like some uh authority on you know the human spirit and knowing everybody struggles with similar things I was you know this the book that I wrote a couple of years ago. When people were writing me saying, man, I really resonate with some of the things that you struggled with, and I, I can't be- believe how similar you are to me, I was shocked. <laughs> mm. I, so so I'm kind of hypocritical. Like, I put myself out there thinking, I mean, I, I got to be one of the craziest out there, right? And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't anything I was proud of, but I was just like, my Lord, some of the stuff that I'm writing down, I cannot believe I thought. And then what do you know? You know, so many people wrote saying, yeah, I I struggled with similar stuff.
2: Yeah, I I want to go into kind of the more the the Christian world now that there tends to be this thing with depression that we either blame it on sin, the devil or the lack or lack of faith. Right. And, and it just, and and I'm not one that I don't come from a super charismatic background. Um, just, but I do think there, there are spiritual battles. I do believe in that, that there are. You know, there, there are bowels we have that are not of flesh and blood, yeah. but there also is the mind is just like the heart. You can have a defective heart and people, you know, Christians will, yes, we'll try to pray that away, but we'll also go see a heart doctor and try to get it right. taken care of with medication and exercise. And so what is the church's hang up with, you know, we're cool with every other organ in the body failing and faltering and and people, well, it's a result of sin and result of the fallen world and right. you've got to go to the doctor. But when it comes to the brain, the, the Christian world just has this hang up about it. And really uh, the Christian church was responsible for some of the earliest mental health facilities. There was like one in Jerusalem and 400 in and the Mennonites in America started the first healthcare, mental health care facilities. But then when psychology sort of started to Get popular and get more widely accepted. It's almost like Christendom started to treat psychology like it was witchcraft. It was like the Salem witch trials all over again or something you know, right. without the death and burning at the stake. But, but right. I mean, the mentality. So what is the hang up do you think in the, and what have you seen in the struggles? How did that affect you sort of quote unquote coming out about depression?
3: Yeah. I mean, because, because it is, it is hard to. It's hard to think of your brain as merely a physical organ, but honestly, as complicated and as powerful the brain is, it actually does have a bunch of downloaded information that started day one from your experiences, from the things you heard, the things you saw, the things you tasted. The things that you've read, the family, I mean, it is a bunch of downloaded information. So if you think about it in that context, it's like, okay, that, even though that's super complicated, it is, it, that's a simple concept, but the church is so hung up in, you know, your, uh, you know, your thoughts and guard your thoughts and guard your mind. And there's an enemy, you know, prowling and resist the devil and everything is so spiritual. There's, there's such a challenge in distinguishing, okay, yeah, but the brain is also physical. And so like you said, when when the brain acts up, it affects how you act, it affects how you think, it affects how you process information, and it's not all spiritual. That is what kept me in a, such a depressed state for so many years, longer than it needed to be, because I personally was convinced that I didn't have a physical problem. My problem was that I didn't have enough faith. If I could just get enough faith and I would be better, things would fall into place and everything would be fine. But as understanding as I am with that sort of mentality, having experienced that same rationale, I mean, I almost just want to give two middle fingers in the air and say, can we please just get on with? Recognizing that this is not just a spiritual matter. Not, my, my mental things aren't for you, by the way. To, to right. It's <laughs> to, to the church that just to get over this. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, this is just insane. And I think that, uh, a, a pastor of mine, Chip Judd, put it really well. He, he believes in science and psychology and, you know, reads books that aren't necessarily Christian based and is a very gifted counselor and, how he how he says it is as as people of faith and people that believe in Jesus we we have common ground in the beginning and the end so the beginning being that we are God's creation that we do have value we do have purpose we are saved by Christ and all of that and then the ending being that this hope is not, I mean, this world is not all there is to it. There will be an eternal place of, of rest and joy and all of that stuff. He says, but so those are the two truths that we have this kind of unique to science, but everything in between is extremely beneficial. Uh, I mean, stuff that's worth studying and looking deeply into and, uh, you know, cogn- cognitive behavioral therapy and, psychotherapy and super smart people that know the questions to ask and you know different ways of overcoming uh harmful patterns of thought and all of that stuff is is so good and so beneficial. So as far as where the church is at I mean let's face it that uh, that unfortunately the church is behind in a lot of different things. So I'd imagine that science is no exception. Yeah. So uh, one of the things
2: that's kind of happened that's, that's jarring the church into having conversations is there's been quite a few um either family members or actual pastors, several pastors that actually commit suicide yeah. in, in recent yeah. times. And and I think that has a, wait, this can't commute. It can't, can't compute. Well, there's no way. Or... And of course you have the whole thing of people throwing out, it's the unforgivable sin. And I, I, I personally think that's total BS. I don't right. believe in that whatsoever. Um, but, you know, that kind of goes to show that it's maybe not as much of a spiritual matter. And I, and, and I don't know, you know, how much speak to this? Like, you know, there are people in the Bible, Samuel, Elijah, Jonah, even Hannah, who were clearly depressed. Uh, you know, might I, might I say even Judas was depressed uh, and right. went on. So, now, some of those were, were attributed to spiritual matters, but others in the Bible clearly were not. Elijah right. seemed to be pretty much, he struggled with depression kind of his whole life. And then there was like, right. then there's modern you know Christian heroes like C.S. Lewis and Thomas Merton who also struggled with it. So what is it about us Christians coming into church that we feel like we got to act like it's all together? Because I feel like, you know, you meet, there's two types of church people. There's the, you meet them and either, either everything is like, hey, everything is great, you know, and it's not, or the people that, like, there's always some, like, you know, the over, like, do it, and, like, there's some, like, well, I was in a line at McDonald's, and I didn't get up there, so, like, you know, just ridiculous amount. And to me, neither are authentic. And I would say there's a very small group of people that I feel like are authentic with me. What? How do you think the church can get to where we expand and we are more authentic with one another? Um, even, even to the point where it's people where maybe you don't know that well, but you can be authentic with them to varying levels. Yeah. Does that make sense as a question?
3: I think so. That was a long question. Sorry, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean it. It really boils down to something that I don't think is just a, a a Christian problem, but just a human problem, and that is we all really do care about public perception. We all are very prideful. Some of us are aware of it and aren't doing anything about our pride. Some of us are aware of it and we're trying really hard not to be in this. Some of us are just completely unaware of how, how prideful human beings are. And so we don't want to put ourselves out there. We don't want to be seen as, as weaker. It's kind of like, what's the point of putting myself out there when, when no one else is, but it's, it's interesting. The starting place for me as someone who believes in, in Jesus, it's like, wait a second, this, this is the core and crux of our faith is that we are weak and that we don't have strength outside of God and that we are a people of need. Otherwise there wouldn't be a need for Jesus to step in and and help us and give us, and give us words of life and, uh, you know, give us hope and all that stuff. So I just, I just scratch my head in disbelief that of all groups of people we are one that, the, that we say yeah we need this guy who claims to be God who we believe is God and yet we don't act that way at all we act in a way of self-sufficiency and that's that's pretty troubling I mean when when you mm-hmm. think that the majority of us act in a way that does not even represent at all the crust of our faith. It's like, whoa, that is that is really backwards.
2: Right, right. Yeah, and I think that increased authenticity, it, that's one of the things going back old school. I, but I know you being close to my age, there, there's a little bit more in a year between us, but that's what I love so much about the whole Brandon Manning, Rich Mullins movement that they had yeah. is that Rich was so brutally honest, um, that I I loved, I was drawn to that. I was drawn yeah. to somebody who was like, you know, uh, the few times I met him out on the road, he's like, man, I love Jesus, but sometimes I really love Jack Daniels too. And, like, I lo- and he wasn't condoning and he's just saying, I'm just being honest. This is just who I am. When right. I fall, I really fall. And I think that, you know, um, that is that authenticity is, is great in a way that you know it we can't excuse it, but it doesn't scare people i, I want to have one more serious question, and then I got one more sort of question
3: I was asking people. Well, yeah but, and, and real quick, let me throw this in there too is is just for people to think through the, the the practicality of you know i because I did encounter people that said that I need to just do this spiritually or do that spiritually or have more faith this have more faith that and I mean, I am I. I can sit here and be completely honest that we're talking years, man, years of trying to have enough faith, years of asking God, Lord, whatever I have to do to get rid of this, I'll do like years. We're talking year after year. We're talking someone who grew up in the church, someone who was legalistic, like a Pharisee, always trying to do the right thing never wanted to do the wrong thing. And year after year, I'm trying to do the right thing spiritually. And if if those people are right, then there is a God that's basically saying, yeah, Joey just can't figure out the formula. And I'm not going to help him until he does. does. I mean, that is really, really messed up That that here I am trying the best I can to get out of this. God knows how to do it. I don't. And he's not only not showing me, but he's not helping me either. And if those people had their way, I would never turn to medicine. And I could just see God being like, "Gosh, I, I gave doctors a good bit of knowledge." And and, and I don't think and I don't think medicine is is the only outlet. I mean, I'm really trying to hit it and all. In every single angle, you know, exercise and reading helpful stuff and training my mind to act and think differently and and all of that. But we really have to sometimes think about, hey, the stuff that we are teaching or the the concepts that we have in regards to faith, what kind of, what kind of God is that insinuating? And Mm. and I don't think that's a pretty picture at all.
2: Yeah, I've often thought about what if, what if David were a modern leader in the church and yeah. man after God's own heart and passionate and then he sees this hot chick who's married to his friend and he sort of sets him up to die and be killed and he has a kid with her and then the kid die. Like there would there would be no path to recovery for him in, in the modern church. Like, yeah. Although there was God did read and I, I think we don't often want to acknowledge the capacity for evil that we all have. Not right. that they have being depressed is evil. I'm not saying right. that at all just the capacity for being messed up. Uh, I should rephrase that. Just, you know, not having our, our craft together. And that's, that's the point that, that, that whole ragamuffin movement. That's why it resonated with me is because I sort of knew I am not going to get my self-loathing was like, I'm not going to get my stuff together. Like I'm, I'm trying here and it's just not going to fully happen. And the more I let go of the idea of getting it together, the more I actually sort of got together. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just knowing like, okay, I'm not going to get this totally right because I would just wind myself into this ball like a top, you know, and then it would right. eventually spin out of control. And and it still spins out of control, but to lesser degrees now because I know that that I'm, I'm that potential there.
3: If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: Thank
1: you so much for listening to Nashville to Memphis. We truly appreciate it. If you enjoy the podcast, go on to your podcast provider on iTunes and give us a rating write us a couple sentences telling everyone how great we are ratings should be five stars and nothing below i love doing this podcast but like everything else it costs money to make so if you would to show some support go to spotify apple music youtube and stream some of our music we have seven albums out and it would mean a lot if you'd share it with your friends and tell everyone else about us the jason lee mckinney band and speaking of supporting my music Here's a little sample for you, a song you can sit back and enjoy while you're riding down the road.
2: Um, So I want to go to like the marriage thing, right? So like I said, my wife is a therapist, yeah. and I spend long, tons of time literally trying to figure out why in the hell she married me
3: because
2: <laughs> I wonder, are healthy women just attracted to jacked-up men? Does my wife have a savior complex, right. or does she just see uh, – one of my best friends was just a really messed-up dude and finally got his stuff together off after almost 15 years of marriage. And his wife told me something that's always stuck with me. She's like, I always saw him as the man I knew he could be, even when there was no signs he was ever going to be that man. Correct. So my wife is just impatient about it. What sort of struggles has your wife had with this? Was was there ever a point for her going, oh, I didn't know I was marrying this. Like, was there a point where, you know, she had to kind of reevaluate?
3: Yeah. Well, I'll put it this way for starters, dude. I'm – So freaking awesome that even with my depression, I'm still freaking awesome. So that's one. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) good. No, I mean, er early on when we started recognizing that things were getting pretty serious, she did have that thought of, okay, am I willing to really engage this relationship seeing that it could possibly lead to marriage and what are the implications of being married to someone that struggles with depression and so she did come to that crossroads and she felt like yeah it is worth pursuing Uh, you know and I think that early on in our marriage it was something that she was more readily able to roll with the punches and have patience and you know it was definitely difficult but it was something that she was able to do but I think over the years with all the ups and downs and you know maybe having a good six months and then a bad two years it really started to wear on her so um, you know I would say we're probably in a good year and a half groove where our you know we've been married now for 16 years and I'd say the last year and a half has kind of been like Okay, we're, we're on to something here. I think, I think we're in a pretty good groove to where I truly believe that we've kind of moved out of a significantly dark tunnel. Uh, but during that time, she definitely, I don't think had thoughts of, okay, you know, we're going to be done. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. But there was definitely a moment in which she brought up If if this doesn't change, I am taking the kids and I'm going to live with my parents until this gets better because she just couldn't endure it anymore. And I think that was also helpful for me during that time period as well. I was able to acquire a mindset of recognizing the pain that she was an equal recipient of, like I I used to take the approach of, well, I'm the one that's struggling with depression. Why is she so upset and hurt and all that stuff? I'm the one that's in pain. And that was such a silly, silly angle to not recognize just how painful it was for her also. She wanted to be married to someone she could have fun with and do things with and be on the same level with and, and have that sort of fellowship. And I, I was not available for that sort of interaction. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you have any
2: fear or, you know, um, I know that I do with some of my issues of passing it on to my children and, and, and I can see some things in the four year old of going, Oh man, yeah. Please God, don't, don't yeah. let don't let him turn out like me. And and I see some things in there that are in there. Has that been something you've struggled with or thought? And have you and your wife talked about maybe some mechanisms of how to raise different or anything like that?
3: Yeah, it it has been something that I've thought about uh, pretty, pretty deeply. And I think the 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 most significant difference is that my dad struggled in the same way that i did and a lot of his struggles were were spiritually uh geared up and, in other words like his depression typically had to do with fear of hell fear of blaspheming the Holy spirit fear of not saying the sinner's prayer correctly and all those sorts of things and so because that's you know, as someone who believes in you know heaven and hell, and we got to do the right things, to get to heaven, and you know by saying this prayer, believing this way, and all that kind of stuff, it's like you got to make sure you have that right. And it's hard just to let go and realize, okay, God is has got this. And it's, it's it's for some people, it's an easy thing to navigate. For others, it's not. But then when you when it's also magnified by depression, you know what a lot of people don't realize is. It's like someone who is struggling with the. Uh, well, put it this way. Just just take the regular human being, regular human being. They're out in a pretty big boat on the water, and so when the when the winds are are howling and the rain is fall you know falling and the waves are maybe a little more significant, they're not feeling all of that as much. It's like okay, we're going through some rough territory, and maybe I'm a little fearful here, but uh we're we're good you know we're in a, a, a pretty decent sized boat and we ne- we always knew life wouldn't be perfect and and we'll be able to get through this someone with depression on the other hand they're like in those those same waters but they're in like a kayak or a canoe so it's like oh shit man am, you know am i gonna yeah. make it like i'm super i'm feeling everything uh you know my my wife is upset with me and i'm devastated i'm thinking she's gonna leave me and i I think yeah, I'm I'm feeling like I want to die, and it's like, wait a second, you got an argument like that's that's right. real human being kind of stuff. So I I just uh, I actually forgot what the original question was, man. What was the original question? Uh, just the kids' fear of you know yeah, 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 passing yeah. that on to kids. Yeah, so you know I, I I wanted to make that sort of analogy so so people understand that you know uh, depression kind of feeds on. Things that normal folks that are functioning well can kind of get through. Like when I when I'm struggling when I'm not struggling with depression, I am I'm, re, I'm a relatively strong person that has some, some mental toughness that can get through stuff. But when I'm struggling with depression, it just seems overwhelming and it, it feels so so dark and. Uh, you know, just crippling and everything. <clears throat> um, but all that to say is, with as, as far as kids are concerned, I think that so, to so the spiritual element that was what depression really went after for my dad and I, and that's one thing that we're able to shield our kids from because we, we're just not giving them that sort of spiritual lens of being fearful of God. In fact, I mean, it was uh, it was actually shocking to me that. Uh one of my kids actually told me that they are afraid because they they don't always believe in God and they have a hard time believing and they're afraid and I said, Sweetie, you don't have to be afraid. Like if mm. if the if the God that you're struggling to believe in really does
2: exist,
3: then He loves you and you're okay. Right. And and we're not gonna you know, we're not gonna give them these you know, I mean, even even I'll, I'll use the example of of, of sexuality and, and cussing to two things that I think are are huge taboo things in, in the Christian world, especially when I was growing up. I mean, I, I have done a really uh, I, I have put forth a lot of effort in making sure that they see words as words and that they're not afraid of of, of cuss words or people to say bad words and for them to really disrespect issue, you know, so there's some people that don't want you to say, but you you got to say, hey, bottom down on that seat. And so if you're in their house and they don't want you to say, but don't say, but that's disrespectful. That's their house. You shouldn't say that. You know, there's, there's other people that are, are fine with any word. Now, obviously within, you know, all of that within reason, I'm like, don't go go around the school saying shit this and damn this bitch and all that stuff. I was like, because that's just a cultural norm. Kids your age, it's just, don't this. but honestly, I'm not, it's, it's just, those words. They're just not a big deal to me at all. And, and with sexuality, for instance, I, I am more concerned about my uh, daughter's safety. I'm more concerned about them honoring their bodies, Uh, for them not to, uh, feel like they are, uh, the root of dudes struggle, uh, Mm. struggles sexually and that, you know, they're not the cause of all of that and, um, you know, not going super overboard on, on modesty and putting all the blame on them and, and even to the point of, I don't think I I do think to some degree we have overhyped the sexual sin deal to where it's not as scary to me um, as it used to be where I think early on in my fatherhood, I, it would be devastating and almost the end of the world if one of my kids had sex before marriage. And I just think that that is unhealthy. And like I, when I, when I got into a habit of of masturbating in the seventh grade, dude, I literally truly believed I can't stop this and I'm going to condemn myself to hell. And so mm. that was my life. Dude, a seventh grader should not have to have that sort of, of life thinking, I can't right. stop these sexual urges and I'm going to go to hell for it. I mean, that's just, that's, that's, that is not something that a kid needs to, uh, endure and think through. So my boys, for instance, I mean, Once they get to that age, I'm going to say, look, we probably, it's a good thing not to be mastered by anything. So, so try not to, uh, you know, try to avoid porn altogether because that's just unhealthy. And I can, I can tell you and explain why, but you know what? It's also not the end of the world if you mess up here and there and talk to me about it so we can work on it together. Maybe have some boundaries and some accountability, but you're okay my gosh, you're a sexual being for crying out loud. That's how you were made. And, uh yeah, so I I, I get pretty uptight about that kind of stuff because I just recognize the, the um, amount of pain and fear and all that right. that I feel was needless for me. So that's to answer your question. I do worry about that, but I am confident that the religious aspect won't be the cause of it. It will be other stuff. Yeah, that's great. I well, two things
2: on that before I ask my father. One is that I had a buddy in high school that literally thought he had a limited supply of semen, and and so yeah. his guilt from masturbation, he thought he was going to run out, and never be able to have kids. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. luckily for him, he's got two and another on the way. So he figured out at some point that's not how it works, but
0: but uh, he was very
2: fearful he was going to run out. So, um, and the thing with my four year old and this is like I said, my self loathing tends to manifest itself in lashing out in anger. And, you know, I've never, never hit my wife. I don't call her names, but I've put some holes in doors and done some stupid stuff, broken microwaves, yeah. and just. And that's, but my four year old has that flooding of, especially when he gets his feelings hurt, he doesn't feel like he's being heard, and he has that flood of, of emotion, and he has grabbed his mom's hair and pulled it and, and, and done some violent things. Right. And I've, we've had people say, oh, man. What are you going to do that? He's going to end up being a a wife beater. He could be like a – or he could be a murderer. Like people have literally said this to us and it's like, what do you want me to do? Right. My job is to love this child. And yes, we don't allow him to have that behavior. There are times I have to literally just hold him while he screams and throws a fit and not let him hurt people. So I'm physically holding him. Then when he calms down, he really is repentant. He really is sorry. He really was just flooded and overwhelmed. And my wife being, once again, a therapist, she knows how to – it's okay. It's he'll learn as we go. We're going to teach him how to deal with his emotions. They're, you know, as his vocabulary expands, it gets better. And I know some of that's terrible too. But this is beyond that. But yeah. I guess some of the things, that even for me, when I see those signs in my child, it's like, what do you want me to do? Shame this child more, or because yeah. that's not going to help. That's just going to yeah. perpetuate the behavior. And I guess that's sort of the same thing you're saying when it comes to, you know, whether it's masturbation or like. What are the answers that are going to breathe life and, and make us a healthy adult instead of just curbing the potential behavior right now? Right. And ultimately, you know, we, we struggle with that. And we, you know, my wife and I talk about, we struggle with, man, it'd almost be better if we, you know, if this is my child's issue, it'd almost be better if he was addicted to porn. At least people go, oh, well, yeah, like all the other kids. It's like, right. no, when my kid, when my child gets angry because he's got his feelings hurt, he's going to try to beat your child up. and right. And obviously you can't accept that but my options as a parent is not to minimize it and but at the same time I'm still what are my options? I'm still going to love my kid. I'm still going to and he's got a very repentant heart. So anyway, I asked that for a reason. I wasn't just setting you up. I was I was asking cuz like, what? Well, I definitely have my own worries. And yeah. luckily my three older ones are awesome and I and I'll tell you this, I thought – my twins I had when I was 18. One of them's in a traveling band and like but is a super spiritual leader around the emo scene. He travels yeah. all over and, and then the other one's a worship pastor who's moving to Bangkok and doing great. And my daughter is like music theater, but she's awesome Christian lady. Like, but, and so I thought I knew what I was doing as a parent. And then yeah. I had this child. I'm like, I have no flipping idea what I'm doing. I just got <laughs> dumb luck my way. So I'd be the person in Kroger when the kid was throwing the fit, I was like, you just need to pick that kid up and tell him what's for and ground him and take care of that right now. So I was that parent and going Oh, if somebody wants to throw a fit in the store, they're just going to do that. And there's not oh, really yeah. much you can, you know, you can pick them up and walk out, but that's about all you can do. So right. I learned right. my lesson there. And they're
3: screaming the whole way. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. You realize your helplessness. Well, man, I don't yeah. want to keep your time too much. I got one more question I ask everyone. Yeah. It's perhaps the most important question. Um, yeah. Is it Everyone has like guilty pleasure songs that they're a little scared to admit that they okay. like. I actually yeah. ask everyone to tell me, like, a couple truly embarrassing, you've never admitted before. What was your jam back in the day? Uh, and especially considering the guys you hang out with. But I had Jody Stevens from Big Star, uh, yeah. admit that he loved Dancing Queen. So I was like, hey, man, you can't get any more embarrassing than that. So, <laughs>
3: hey,
2: hey, you went out. What did he like? Oh, he liked Dancing Queen from ABBA. Nice.
3: Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, well, first of all, Like, I, uh, I mean, you know about my books, I'm not, you can't embarrass me, dude. No, that's true. (laughs) Unless you busted out that your favorite song
2: was The Champion from Carmen, and then it might be. Oh yeah,
3: that that would be embarrassing, but yeah, I would still, I would still put that out there. Let me, this is, uh, this is, uh, uh, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I'll say that I like a few songs on the 1989 Taylor Swift album. Is that embarrassing enough?
2: Well, not since Ryan Adams did it. I mean, did a whole version of the record. But yeah, I mean, I'll take it. If you want to take T Swift, you get down with T Swift. That's all right. There, there you go. That's <laughs> all right. man. Hey, I'm man. i, hey, it I, I, was fun, appreciate I appreciate on it. Man. Yeah, man. I'll keep listening and I'll, I'll shoot you random three o'clock in the morning. I think the first time I contacted you, you said that your brother was probably the only doctor on the show. And it was like four in the morning. And I was listening to it on the road. I was like, you know what? I can't pass this up. Actually not. <laughs> so I actually have a, a doctorate, but uh, it's like I'm actually listening to it. So appreciate awesome, you, man, man, and what you do and all the honesty. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right. And go Irish. See you, Joey. There you go. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>